Welcome to SciTech Culture with Steve Kern and Ben Warner, where we examine science, technology, and culture in the 21st century. Visit our website at SciTechCulture.com. All right, so um, for a long time now, obviously, of anyone that's uh, watched the podcast for a while, um, all of SciTech Culture has been filmed off of iPhones, at least for my feed anyway, um, and it's been useful. I think, um, you know, making that transition over to iPhones has been great, but um, and the, obviously the current one that I'm, that's currently in the stable is my primary phone, which is the iPhone 14 Pro Max. Now, um, I only raise this because um, there's a bit of a bugbear of mine that um, there's been this online commentary that the, uh, the, the 14 series in particular has had um, uh, worse battery life overall than previous models and especially compared to the 13 um, series and I have not experienced this at all now this might be luck you know maybe I just got a great battery in my phone and all these other people didn't Um, (laughs) I suspect it's got something more to do with uh, usage and um, methods of charging more than anything else um, for context, um, you know, we're 18 months into the 14 series um, uh, life cycle. So 18 months is a decent amount of time. You'd expect some of the battery health to drop by this point. Um, mine's at 98% as of today. Um, all the online commentary I was seeing were people getting annoyed that after, you know, seven or eight months, it was already down to 90%. Um, as a general rule, obviously, the um, Apple kind of says at 80%, that's probably when you should either swap out the battery or get a new phone. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. I don't use my phone on average more than two hours a day at most. I've had a look at my screen time and I also don't charge it overnight. Um, I don't have it by my bedside on a wireless charging stand. I don't. I do no wireless charging whatsoever, um, which I suspect might be part of the cause because it generates more heat um or like i said i might have just gotten lucky but i i I was kind of wanting to just state hey not all of us had bad bad issues with this oh yeah it's uh it's an interesting uh you know i guess angle and and i certainly think that you're onto something the fact that your usage is different um i think the people that tend to complain loudest about this tend to use their phones 23 hours a day <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing like I, I i still boggles my mind how anyone can do more than that the the most i've ever been able to do is actually when i'm on holidays somewhere in some some other location and i'm snapping more photos than normal i'm using google maps more often i'm using um you know search more often to find things that and that's when i but even then it might if i get up to five hours that might be you know the maximum but yeah it's, no, it's curious. There's, there's plenty of people i see wandering around the city who have all those features on 24 7 like <laughs> videoing where they're going via google maps you know Mm, absolutely absolutely we'll stick with apple for just a little bit longer um only because the the big story this week from them although they i guess they didn't really publicly announce it um in a big way or anything because they because it was never really ever announced was the apple cars being cancelled you know i was really looking forward to a self-driving apple car at 100k steve but um i I think they just kind of realized that um you know it just wasn't going to be a thing what i thought was interesting though is that their value proposition for coming to market with it was that it would be a fully autonomous self-driving vehicle and that would be the differentiator uh why you're buying it at 100 100k plus 
with one terabyte of storage or something um <laughs> as opposed to buying a tesla or buying another um electric car otherwise it would just be another tesla um, and what makes it different yeah, look, this this is interesting. I think, you know, it's it's one of those things when Apple launched into this, uh, everyone really thought we were going to have uh, totally autonomous vehicles within 10 years. So they probably, you know, made a decision back then to, to do a 10-year plan. But, but we know Apple, so sure, they haven't come up with a car, but I bet you they exactly know where all the Apple interfaces are in an autonomous car of tomorrow. So they're probably now able to go on and design the products that will interface with, you know, the Tesla automated car or or whoever else, uh, you know, comes to market with, with that driverless car. So, yeah, I guess in the, rea- the reality is at the end of the day, they, they probably don't need to be a car manufacturer, but they, they will need very much to be a part of the cars of the future. Um, and... Um uh, the uh, the other thing, obviously, was that um, all of those car engineers have moved over to their AI division um, because you know who who would think that's important right now? <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's that's right. I mean, that's really just now probably ten years of AI projects. Absolutely. Um, okay, it's a leap year this year. Um, if you hadn't noticed, we just passed the 29th of February. It's always a, a curious um, little oddity. And um, I guess the question would be, um, you know, like, uh, wh- uh, why does that come about? Why do we have them, etc.? Obviously, it's because um, we don't do a an exact full rotation um, that's nice and neat um, to be calculated around the sun once a year. We essentially, you know, have a bit of a, qu- a you know quarter of a day every year roughly speaking um although obviously this article that we got off um the conversation here was explaining how it goes right down to the uh the the minutes um just to um uh in various detail but obviously that uh, once you get to a full day after four years that's when the that's where the extra day comes from um what was curious obviously i thought was just the idea of what would happen if we didn't do this and obviously the uh, the clear thing with that is that um seasons would start to appear in at times of the year that probably shouldn't be and we would start losing track of what was going on when um, and it would just be harder to manage overall. Well, that's right. You know, you can imagine that uh, over 30 years uh, without leap years, you'd you'd shift effectively, uh, you know, a number of days and over time it wouldn't be long before all your seasons were out of whack. And, you know, if you didn't have the internet, how would you know when it was springtime to uh, start planting? Mm, absolutely. And <clears throat> and just to talk about that exact figure, it's not exactly 365.25 days. It's actually 365.24219 days, which introduces a further complication, which apparently Pope Gregory the thirteenth, um, at least he signed off on an order to make that adjustment, um, hence the Gregorian calendar. Um, and uh, that would be to still be a leap year every four years, except in century years, years divisible by 100, like 1700 or 2100, unless they are also divisible by 400. We don't have them um, on, those, on those days to get the cycle back into shape. I do, I do like the amount of effort that was put into that, I must say. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like the fact that you noted that he signed off because I doubt he calculated it himself. Absolutely. But you, but you never know. <laughs> Well, you'd certainly be a hell of a pope. Let's put let's put it that way. <laughs> Alrighty. Um. So I just wanted to um 
spend the rest of this episode actually being a bit more upbeat around popular culture for a change. I know that um, we've spent a few episodes, um, you know, uh, rightly, I think, um, sort of uh, questioning where um, where pop culture is going, mu- movies, um, music, TV, etc., and this um, concept that a lot of um, content is just being recycled. It's not new, it's not fresh, but there are some uh, odd gems here and there that pop up from time to time. Um, for me, um, I'm going to focus on um, two uh, current TV shows and two um, films that um, one's out now and another one's coming out later. Um, Shogun, which um, is on Disney+, Plus, um, although um, under their star brand, um, uh, obviously because I don't think it's a very uh, Disney-esque um, uh, kind, of, uh, kind of show, is really spectacular. Um, and uh, I'm, I'd obviously have to see the rest of the show. It's not all out yet, but um, it all looks like um, like a really lavish production and they put a lot of effort in. And one thing that I really did appreciate is that um, they actually had um, the Japanese speaking in Japanese rather than, than doing the American Hollywood cheat of um, having them speak English. Um, and although there's a bit of a cheat in there where, um, you know, the... Uh, the English-speaking people are, are actually supposed to be speaking Portuguese, but I guess for the benefit of the um, the audience, they're speaking English. Um, but f- apart from that, like it's actually quite spectacular um, in terms of its production and kind of highlights like, yeah, you, you, every now and then you can get excited by, um, by these things. And similarly, um, there's another show that's on Netflix called House of Ninjas, which is probably smaller scale um but still really really well done you know it's it's a it's a mystery thriller you know there's a threat there's a crime and you go to your ninja family to uh to go sort it out for you lots of ninja action in there um and it's got a uh, some of that sort of quirky japanese humor in there as well um i actually quite liked it a lot um and i don't think netflix is actually promoting it as much as what they probably could although it seems to be catching on um in uh, uh around the place as well so it's just a just sort of to highlight um that you know it's good that these shows are out yeah it's great uh you know that this sort of productivity sort of uh or creativity is is still still has a niche and i, I think uh, we've noted anyway over the years that probably on the streaming services when they produce their own content you know uh, they they follow i guess the original hbo path where you know, they allow storylines to, to be creative and to grow in specific ways. And I, I almost wonder if there's some reason that Netflix aren't overly promoting. Maybe there's something they know about, you know, the best way to get the biggest audiences is uh, not to promote and let word of mouth if they've got a good show. I think that's a great strategy too. So it, it's interesting, isn't it? But it's, it's also awesome to see, uh, you know, shows like this uh, making their way, you know, and, and being there for people to, to view. And it's an interesting point, especially with Netflix, because they've had um, successes before with what you would call foreign language content, um, Squid Game being the um, the obvious example that sort of uh, took over the discussion and the discourse for, for a while while it was out. Um, so it, um, it's, it's a it's a way to actually access a lot more newer content as well. So if you don't feel like you want to be inundated with the Hollywood product even though shogun is a hollywood product um you know at least you've got some other alternatives oh i think i think you're right and and it is an interesting point because i think uh you know in the past uh, particularly in the u.s they would have been very nervous about showing you know foreign content you know because that's you know 
from an Australian perspective, that's for SBS to do. But the yeah. the beauty of a on demand service is is that you choose when you watch it, you choose what you want to watch, and if the quality is there, you invest the time to watch it and understand it or or really get into it. I mean, I think that's really what on demand has given us, probably more so than than what we used to see on normal uh, linear TV, is that it gives people an opportunity to invest uh, a little bit more. You can binge. But not just binge, you can also watch and I think watch more deeply because you can pause, you can think about things, you can watch them twice to see, you know, did I really see that or have I got it right? So so the investment is there. So you can put a lot more complicated content in and perhaps that's what they're starting to understand now. You know, uh, you don't need to go to a generic format anymore you can be a lot more novel with your content as long as your content appeals to an audience. Oh, and uh, just in case anyone's thinking, because uh, I've bashed remakes and um, uh, recycled content before, Shogun is obviously not the first time it's been adapted. Um, it's a very famous book, obviously. There was a um, miniseries in 1980 that um, uh, was um, was a big thing at the time, but... In this particular case, I think um, rather than say you know remaking um, Star Wars: A New Hope into um, you know the same film thirty years later with The Force Awakens, in this particular case, um, they they're two different things, um, and they're done at completely different scales. And I I actually think that's that's when a remake makes sense because you've got a whole new fresh take on the material. Oh, absolutely, and if you think in the probably, what, 40 years since uh, the original Shogun, you know, well, we all know how much better content is today, you know, visually and, you know, well, in every in every respect. Mm, absolutely. I did also want to touch on Dune Part 2 and the Deadpool and Wolverine trailers. I haven't seen, obviously, Deadpool's not out yet. Um, Dune 2 has just come out. Um, I haven't seen either one of those. I'm go- I'm going to hazard a guess that, because um, I really um, loved Part 1, that Part 2 of Dune is going to be um, pretty good in bowl accounts it is. Um, sadly, it's not still not going to drag me out to the cinema to watch it. But a bit like Oppenheimer, I was like, thinking about it um but um I'll, pro- I'll probably still won't do it but having said that um a lot of the commentary that's coming out about june in particular is um that it's like the reason why people would be into movies in the first place it's like a reminder of what i guess the pinnacle of what hollywood can do at its best um and that's something you know that's something to be encouraged and uh, to celebrate i think Oh, I totally agree. And, and look, from a personal perspective, I I went and saw Poor Things last year. At least I think it was last year now. And and in Australia, that was almost, I don't know, it was like an art film compared, compared to how uh, Barbie was marketed. Poor Things in Australia barely had any profile at all. I went and saw it and thought I was seeing something that was, you know, like a well-kept secret. And then I saw how many Oscar nominations it got. So, uh you know, from that from that perspective, I was heartened that something a little bit different could could certainly get recognition that it did, and I think that's pretty much what we're we're commenting on today is is just that I think maybe we're just seeing a glimpse of uh, you know opportunities for unique novel uh, 
and slightly different content and slightly different ideas sort of are finding audiences. And, and so maybe maybe it's a mini renaissance for film. Absolutely. And uh, just quickly, I did want to touch on the Deadpool and Wolverine trailer only because I got a nice chuckle out of it. I've enjoyed the previous films. And uh, the thing that I find interesting is that, you know, we've had a bit of a dig about Marvel in recent years in the past, but it seems clear that, you know, they've got the potential there to, um, you know, to upset the apple cart in terms of um, kicking it all over and maybe starting it again because there's a lot of fourth wall breaking in that trailer um, and uh, just having Ryan Reynolds with his uh, peculiar sense of humor calling himself Marvel Jesus and he's going to change the the whole cinematic universe um, was just refreshing to see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, look, I haven't seen the trailer, but I'm going to have a look at it right now. That breaking the fourth wall... It used to be a no-no, I guess, or you had to do it in a particular way, but it sounds like uh, it's being used at least a comic effect for you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And look, for, for lots of people, I think, because um, even if like ardent Marvel fans, I'm pretty sure, haven't been terribly enthused with how the last couple of years have gone, um, just in terms of the product that's been produced, so... You know, this this film's coming out in July. Maybe it can, be, it can re-energize things for them. Oh, let's hope. <laughs> Absolutely. The last few haven't been that good. <laughs> exactly. All righty, we might wrap it up there. Um, I'm going to, you know, um, double check my uh, 14 Pro Max battery again and, you know, just make sure that it's not going to die on me. As a cycle, um, I'm right on that cycle where I'm going to use the phone for its for like a three-year period in a, as the primary phone, but I still want it to work for another three years after that as a secondary camera, so I want that battery working. <laughs> well, if if anyone can do it, you can, and, and keep us up to date over the next uh, five years. <laughs> the long-term project, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so that's it for this episode. We'll catch you next time.